We are live a little bit. Uh, hello, everybody. How's it going? Happy, uh, happy Sunday, wherever you are in the world. There's a, it's a Sunday somewhere. Um, my name is Ken Stearns. I'm the host of the JAR podcast here. This is really uh, the JAR Foundation podcast, and we're calling it Mental Health Today. Uh, we've got Hao, uh, a good friend, Hao Tran, to, with me. Hao uh, and I know each other back in Vietnam. Uh, so this is kind of a great reunion. Haven't talked in about a year, Hal. Um, it's been a year. And so it's great. To, first off, we had a great catch up uh, off mic and um, really good to touch base with an old friend. And Hal, welcome to the show. Thanks for super. Thanks for being a guest. I really appreciate it. And uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, what do you where are you at and how did you get there? Uh, thanks. Ken for inviting me onto the the podcast for the Jar Foundation. Hey everyone, I'm Hao Hao Tran. I'm Vietnamese American. Um, so I was born in the states. I came to Vietnam about seven years ago. I met Ken maybe halfway through that seven years. Um, he at the time was we were actually living in the same building. Um, I've since moved out, but he uh, of that building as well. But he uh, was an executive at an insurance company. Uh, I'm saying he Ken. Uh, our host here. And um, I was running a company as well. I, I own a media company here in Vietnam. And uh, we shared a lot of the similar kind of objectives and goals personally and professionally. Hmm. Um, I looked True. up to Ken in the sense that he was running a team of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And then um, on his side, he was really wanting to get into an entrepreneurship, always really interested, yeah. especially um so the company I own, the et cetera, it's a media company. So content, very similar to what you're doing, Ken. And um, yeah, anyways, I've been doing that for seven years and um, not been easy. Uh, the company is about 60 full-time staff now. Um, we're, we're, we're a real business. And with that yeah. means like we're paying the salaries of people's lives that are people who are getting married, people who are having kids, uh, people who are going through um mental like you know um uh or just challenges in life in general yeah. and you know some of them you don't know anything about because uh they're going through it themselves usually and uh yeah i've had my fair share as well so i'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit mm. yeah seven years in vietnam i'm 30 now um i plan to be here for a while and uh let's see vietnam's great come visit yeah it is right i i couldn't I couldn't make up a commercial for it. You know, just go. It's just a great place. Great people, great food, great travel. And still first world travel level. And exactly. then also straight into rice fields and lovely people of the earth. You can have everything. You have it uh, all. Not uh, th That's the thing as Americans, we, we see Vietnam in this part of the world in a, in a, in a certain lens. Yes. It's like yes. for it's where Apple makes its stuff. It's where you get your T-shirts. It's um, which is all true, by the way. <laughs> which is all true, um, yeah. But it's, it's actually it's quite innovative. This place it's really creative. It has its own culture that, like I tell people, the food scene here, not just Vietnamese food, but the international food yes, scene. Agree. In a lot of ways, better than like the top cities in the U.S., yeah. let alone the U.S. in general, because. Here you have great value. You have a lot of entrepreneurs that come from around the world wanting to start their own cuisine, like the restaurants and bars and 
Um, so you have a lot of creativity and entrepreneurship as a result. Yeah. Um, that goes for any anything, not just food and beverage. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, anyways, maybe talk more about it a little later. Um, yeah, that's Let's, my intro. I mean, that's a great, I mean, it's a pretty amazing story, really, landing there with, with just a job uh, seven years ago. Um, and, and then building the company up to, like you said, powerful thought is that level of responsibility, the weight on your shoulders. I mean, you're 30 how, <laughs> and you've got people, like you said, dependent upon what you're doing, uh, their weddings, f- paying for funerals. Um, you know, you said people going through all kinds of stuff and you're always 60 people, really 60 separate stories. Uh, every day they're, they're kind of going through and you, we don't know, right? We don't know what, what people are going through every day that we walk past. Yeah, I um, looking back to when I started the company in the early stages too, when you're like a 25-year-old, whatever, yeah. uh, you're a bit, I still am to this point, a little delusional. Um, and you're a little bit, uh, you're operating in your own lane. Of course, you're building something. You need yes. everyone's help to be on the same page. But I, I, I did lack a lot of empathy back in the day. But that's because, you know, when you're younger, you feel like you're invincible, you're delusional, you're top of the world, you know, you're building something. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> I, I see that in a lot of young people that I, I work with today, the Gen Z especially, um, a kind of like a replica of what I used to be. So cool. Um, and it's, it's um, I mean, I I am much more self-aware now, I would say, even in yeah. just in the last like six months, a lot of things have happened. I feel like every day is just an improvement. Um that's true. Like I, I just went to this wedding of one of our senior staff members a few weeks ago, and he actually invited the whole company. It's a very Vietnamese tradition. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Invite your bosses and your Absolutely. Co- in this case, he went all out. He invited all sixty full time. <laughs> um, some of his ex uh, colleagues who have since left the company. And um it was pretty surreal. Um I mean, it just makes me think, man, I haven't gotten married yet. I don't have a kid. You know, here's this 28-year-old getting married and, you know, doing this and doing that. I mean, it's great. Um, I think it's just um, just seeing them, people's lives evolve. I, yeah, this. Uh, I mean, it's got to be interesting. Like you said, you're a 25-year-old kid and now you're you're a 30-year-old kid in a way, right? So yeah. like you said, still every day you're not gonna, like trying to get become a better person, a better leader. Um, but to see the impact, I mean, you know, the the opportunity you created is – you're seeing it happen, right? All these people coming together over a, a celebration and it's, it's you, the center of it, right? The, the nexus is, is what you started. I, I you know, um, this is separate from the wedding example. Um, but this is hopefully relevant to a lot of the listeners today. I, over the weekend, I had a chat with a friend of mine who works with our team. Um, he's like a host of one of our podcasts. I don't see him all the time, like once a month at mm. most. And um, yeah, he's, he's a good friend of mine. Um, I can't say I hang out with him all the time, but we get along really well and he lives out of town. So anyways, we get dinner and he's like, Hey, how, you know, I was meeting with one of your sales directors, by the way, this whole company is Vietnamese. I'm like essentially the only foreigner. Um, (laughs) So cool. But like, I'm American. And then uh, he was explaining like, and the guy, the host, he's uh, Slovakian Vietnamese, but he's much more Vietnamese than I am. He's, uh, he speaks it like totally natively and that kind of thing. Um, he's explaining, yeah, you know, I was getting coffee, your sales director. And she was telling me like, oh, you know, the two of you as in me and her, 
she was explaining how we have a great working relationship, very respectful. You know, we say hi in the morning. How are you? What's up? What's going on? We try to help each other out. Okay. That's great. The minimum of a professional relationship. <laughs> yes. You know, in America, um, I don't know about you, Ken, but when, when I was working in the States, it's great that we have that. Um, well, that's the professional uh, yes. relationship. Very important. But when it comes to personal, like going out with your coworkers and that kind of thing, it's not as much as Vietnam. Vietnam is a different level. Like she was explaining like, well, you know, how doesn't invite us over to his house and have dinner together? I was like, man, it's like introducing to my family. It's like, you know, I'm, <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like way thing of, to do, right. To, um, absolutely workers to your home and introduce them to your family, make sure everyone knows each other. And, you know, I do that to some extent, like my parents who live here, they've attended a couple team events and the team okay. loves talking them and that kind of thing oh they must they I must love that one to my house i never invite anyone to my house i like i'm a homebody i like to go home after work and i don't go out i don't i do drink but not like that much um i like to keep it separated basically but vietnamese people don't really see it that way um and then my friend was telling us because he was then explaining to her like oh you know how's american he's like a banana <laughs> he's asian in front but he's he's an american at the end of the day and vietnamese people they have very little sense of privacy and i don't say that in a bad way it's just how it is it's like yep. people oh it's so true very like yes. um they like to know what's going on um the, the concept of personal space is very limited I, yes and, yeah. you know I, I it's my it's not it's not their fault it's my fault right i have to i live in their country i have to it's so in, it's so endearing to me yeah it, you know what I, mean? I, mean, I, I appreciate it too but it, yeah and sometimes yes ceo it's like well like you know, I know other Vietnamese CEOs might be doing that or whatever, but it's just not in my personality. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyways, it's just things like that. You have to balance that work a little bit. Um, yeah. It's, you know, and it's how do you, this cultural thing is part of also too, like, uh, you know, it's so many expats that I saw over the years, you know, seeing people come and land and trying to integrate culturally was where, you know, a lot of pressure, um, you know, to understand what's going on. And like you said, you find out the expect, you think you're doing really good. And then you find out the expectation is something, a definition you don't understand. You're like, you mean I'm supposed to invite people over to my house? Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, I, opening, you know, opening up your home. A lot of the uh, expat CEOs that live here, they all live in the same place usually. Yeah, like yeah. BP compound. I'm sure you've been there, Ken. Yeah. And, you know, you have like the standard charter CEO, you have like, the uh, Nestle CEO, all the diplomats live in this yeah. massive compound in Ho Chi Minh City. And this compound has all these beautiful villas with big lawns and you can yep. put out chairs and tables out there and have like 50 person dinners. Yes. If you want, that's what thing. they, that's it, what they do. And that's what they do. And, and all the CEOs, they've done it for essentially decades since yeah. the business started here. And, um, you know, I live in a 90, 900 square foot apartment. I can't host uh, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> And you do have to be, I think the more inclusive you are at those events, it's more important, right? Inviting 10 people over to the, to your, to your apartment or home and have dinner would be a little tough to explain. You know, there'd be, there'd be a lot of, uh, there'd be a lot of upset people. Yeah. You have to, the bubble just keeps getting bigger. I think, I think we do those on occasion, but we do them on more team events. I don't really. I think team level. Yeah. 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 How, what is it like? I mean, do you do you ever look around and go? I just want to run away from this. I mean, is it because you're all the CEOs I know 
um, and I've worked with a lot of CEOs. They really, at the corporate level, it's tough. They are they are lonely in a way because they're only friends at work. They're only trusted advisors at work. It's a CFO and HR. You know, it's the money person and the and the human person. Um, and even those are still arm's length because even more important, it's a money person and the person person, right? The human person. So you've got to like this arms. So it's a tough job at the top. And you're, you know, you did this from 25. And all of a sudden now you're like I said, you've got a real business. You've got 60 people depending on you, or or times five. You know, what's what's it, you know, how do you cope with the the weight of that? Or or do you not let yeah. it, you know, not let it become heavy? So I mean, you can see it two ways. You can see it as a burden or weight. Yeah, yeah. Or you can see it as an opportunity. Yeah. And so it, it comes like we were chatting off Mike about ChatGPT just now. So yes. let me give you two examples. Great. Uh, so one is the whole ChatGPT thing, right? Every CEO is thinking about using it right now um, because it could lead to cost savings or doubling of revenue, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've been introducing it to the team slowly. Like I've done... I, I just went to a round table of other media company executives in Thailand the other day, and there was about 15 of us and all of us were getting okay. case studies about how to implement it, use cases, that kind of thing. And it okay. was blown away. Wow. That'd have been great. The, uh, I've been teasing it with a couple people that I knew yes. would be adopters, like the first adopter mentality kind of people. And then the ones that were not, and the ones that were not were immediately negative. They were giving, kind of negative, not like overly negative, but like a bit negative feedback, kind of excuses why it's not good. And I was like, it, it is good. Like it's AI. It's just like, there's no way to say that it's not good. Like it's just about how to use it though. Yes. I was telling people the best paid people uh, in the future, it could be six months from now, six years, are actually prompt writers. I, people the, that know what yes. to input to yes. then get the output out. Uh, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like an interview. If the interviewer sucks because they don't know anything about the topic or the person or what they're talking about, then the, the guest on the show is only going to give as good answers as the host can ask, right? Um, so I was, I was telling people, like, prompt writers will be paid fabulously. Like, uh, it's not about even if you're a good CEO anymore. It's just like, it, like something like ChatGPT, and I'll talk about the next example in a little bit, is it, it's essentially a super intern. And all these AI tools. Yes. If, yeah. If you know how to give real time feedback to a person, like imagine if I'm telling Ken, you know, Ken, you know, you got to do something different with your videos. What do you think about adding that? Okay. Let's say you add that and give me yeah. the second round. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, how about that? And then yes. Changing. It's just it's iterative, the iterative coaching. Iterative. It's not just expecting to like type something. Yes. And it's going to be brilliant. No person would be like that either. That's why it's called intelligence at the end it's like a human intelligence but yeah. that's artificial and uh, i think i think um some people um you know they they immediately kind of get flustered or negative or defensive about it and other people yes. are very first adopter innovative thinking and me as the ceo I, I, it's it's lonely at the top as you, as you said yeah, and how to align everybody together to achieve the same summit yeah. is is extraordinarily difficult especially something like ai you know uh, i mean this is just a larger the discussion about ai and automation yeah. and all that within the company is just a bigger small part of the bigger yeah. mission which goes to my second point um connected a little bit 
Um, I just came back from Africa a couple months ago. I was hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, it's about 6,000 meter mountain. Uh, it takes about eight days to get to the top. You wake up cold. You go to sleep cold. <laughs> tents, there's no running water. Um, and it's, it's freezing um, toward the end, especially. So uh, that was the first time in maybe about a year or a year and a half that I felt like hyper motivated. Really? Yeah. But also consistent. Like motivation comes up and down, but yes. just, you as a person, your consistency should, you know, what is really marks you. But I, the whole trip was not only very, very consistent in a good way, but the motivation was higher than ever because it's like, I got to get to the top. My uncle and my dad were with me um, and a few other travelers. And the thing was, we were all there for the same reason, which is to get to the top of the mountain or the outcome's the same. Yeah, yeah. Our motivations for doing it, how we prepared, what, how we planned for it, were all different. But like, we're all random people at the end of the day that decided to go on a plane to Africa and do this thing. And, and we're all very different. Like there's me, there's my uncle who's 75, my dad who's 67. Um, and then there are three, four other travelers. One was a retired primary school teacher from Ireland, uh, um, a dad and a daughter combo from Canada and the okay. uh, worked in restaurants. And then the fourth guy was like, I don't know exactly. I could be wrong, but he, he's from Canada. His name's Kevin. Cool guy. Still chat with him every now and then on, on, on Instagram and all that. And then, I think he's like an Arctic Circle engineer. Like he works for the government or something in the Arctic Circle, like building like oil pipelines or whatever it is in, in the Arctic Circle. So anyways, everyone's extremely very random. Right, yeah, very random. We're all there just for the same reason, which is get to the top of the mountain. And if you think about it in terms of either personal relationships, like your girlfriend or your yeah. parent or your whatever, or like in a team of a company, it's all random people at the end of the day. So you know, the important thing is to have that same outcome. Um, how, how you get there, um, it, one path could be much longer or more expensive yes. or a lot more effort or be miserable. Uh, and that's the one you want to avoid, right? But if you can have the same summit and you can get to that same route, then it'll just be better. And if you apply that at a company, like my company, I hadn't felt yeah. like that for a year or two years almost. Like we're growing, we're making money, but I, I could sense that there was a lot of misalignment within the company and people were trudging along. We're probably spending way too many, we had too many staff that weren't motivated and, and yeah, you're, you're growing and making money, but it's going to be a pretty rocky ride. Yeah. To the you can so tell you're not aligned. You're on the yeah. same page. Yeah. Um, all the small tactical things, but also the bigger picture then it's just going to be a more fun experience. And you can say that for relationships too. Like, you know, if you're dating somebody and and he or she's just not really into you, but you're still seeing each other, you don't know if they're going to get married. You know, I just watched this really stupid Netflix movie last night because I had nothing better to do about like, it's called like, he's just not that into you. It's such a stupid movie. And it's like, but it's kind of true, right? Like there was one, uh, there was a couple within the characters where they'd been together for like seven years and then all of her girlfriends were saying, Oh, he's an asshole for not like marrying you yet. Uh, who does that after just even five, you know, like if it's yeah, beyond yeah. five, you're not getting married. And she's like, no, 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 no. And then at the end of the movie, they don't get married. <laughs> you know, anyways, <clears throat> the example of the Mount Kilimanjaro was exactly that applied across so many yeah. different, it was like, 
it was really refreshing. It got me, I had, I'd never felt that kind of alignment and just like everyone's up at the same time every morning, has coffee, bang out a breakfast, go hike for 10 yeah. hours, do the same thing every day for the next eight, eight days. Oof. Um, you know, some people, you know, had a tough time getting through it, you know, needed a little bit of help, you know, need help carrying a bag, whatever people just kind of chipped in. If we were just hyper motivated, we all wanted to get to the top, which is fantastic. So. Interesting. And so you're trying to, you know, you're trying to figure out how to create that magic back at work. Yeah. I mean, I told a story a couple months ago when I came back and a lot of people loved it and it's slowly happening at, uh, yeah. in each teams. So I can't say it's like the company is fully there yet, but what company is, I, I just, I just watched a, a documentary it's difficult. Last night, about I watch a lot of uh, <laughs> stuff. Anyways, um, it was about uh, the electronics maker Philips from Amsterdam. Yeah, from yeah. Netherlands. So you know, back in the eighties and seventies, they were the pioneers of like VHS and cassettes, and, yeah, you know, videos and lights and stuff like that. And then they started moving into electronics. And, you know, their market cap has gone from something like 150 billion to 15 billion over the last couple of decades. So they, they're a tenth of the size of the art. And you, you, the, the documentary was talking about all the innovations that they've lost and all the bad bets they took and everything. And now actually Philips, they only call themselves a healthcare company. Like if you look online and everything, they yeah. just call them healthcare now because they're now just making like radiology machines and stuff. So they went from lights and cassettes to like, TVs to now just making healthcare products and they've abandoned everything else. And 20 years ago, um, they, um, they did a pot, uh, no, not podcast. Um, Philips was the first investor in the semiconductor industry in Taiwan. They, and, and, and in Europe, they, in, they literally in, played a very large part of inventing microchips. <laughs> and they were, Oh my and goodness. They own 30% of, TSMC, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, which is now worth like hundreds of billions of dollars. And then they sold it after just a couple of years of founding. <laughs> you, could you imagine the executive that said, was over there going, I don't know why we're making these, what do they call these things? Wafers? You eat wafers. Why are we making wafers in, in China? <laughs> and that's yeah. some, some guy got, some guy took the, the $5 million profit out of the investment. Executive that signed that that sale Could agreement. You That's I mean that guy, right? He's like, you know, it's like, what the heck just happened? Well, he's he's probably at the, at that moment he's probably like, look, I made five million dollar profit. I'm a hero. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. today it's a five billion dollar mistake every year. No, it's more than that. The, well, I mean, so every year, like the revenue is probably five billion for the last fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I, you know, just to put the, the final comment on that. Yeah. The value. The thirty percent that they they acquired the company okay. for, which I don't know how much it cost. I don't know what Peanuts. the principal was, but today it's worth one hundred fifty billion. <laughs> like the equity value. Of this. It's it's worth ten times the current value of the company. Exactly, it's worth more than the entire company. Ten x the company, the one investment. Yeah. Holy cow, man! What a what a banana what a bananas way to look at you know imagine that imagine that guy laying in bed at night. Wondering what the bonus, the bonus, the oh, what is faster? The bonus that could have been. Um, so how's um, maybe share a little bit about? I think you know one of the things that you know we had is a is kind of friends going through 
um, that I got to see early peaks on were, you know, I've, and we talked about this before, you know, just about what people are going through. We never know. Um, and you've got, a, you've had a lot of success. You've, you had a great early career. You made a bet on yourself. You know, I think you really did make a, a pretty good bet on yourself, which is you know, very admirable. And, um, and you've done it, you know, you've, you've got, you got that first, you know, grind, uh, you've put everything together. You're running the company. It's uh, like you said, you're, you've turned the corner, you're making money, you know, you're a viable asset in the media industry in Vietnam. I mean, in some ways you can almost going to be, you're, you're almost a gorilla, uh, and especially in your vertical in Vietnam. Um, but yet still, you know, you've got, you've got your own challenges personally. I don't know if you want to, if you want to share a little bit about that. And, you know, how do you, how do you talk to yourself and how do you manage the, the mental health side? Yeah. Thanks Ken for, for, um, touching upon that. So, um, yeah, a lot of people, they, they, they tell me like, especially young students, yes. uh, they, they're like, Oh, how you, uh, you know, I really look up to you. I, I you know, um, in Vietnam, they call them idols, which is such a, you know, stupid word to say, but you know, in the videos. Vietnamese way of putting it um yeah so exactly yeah and i just kind of feel like you know i know i'm successful like in, in, sense, in a sense like i bought a company it's going great we're we're taking care yep. of the pe people's lives like you know i'm not gonna sugarcoat it right it's just it's it's pretty awesome it's awesome um, right yeah uh you know put your pat yourself on the back a little bit right but i think the um i tell people entrepreneurship is good for the soul but it's terrible for your heart soul as in more like uh figuratively but heart yeah. literally like your health <laughs> if, yeah 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 like the, the great it's a great uh, great and, statement and you know honestly i haven't slept very well the past two years yeah yeah i i don't sleep i don't go to sleep uh and enjoy my sleeping very well i don't i love sleeping yes um, I, yeah but i i can't say i've had like a plus sleep for a very long time um and sometimes it makes me wonder, is it worth it, you know, doing all that mm. at, the, at this, the risk of your health? Yeah, the toll um, it takes. I, I, you know, I did have this leg problem that I that you know about. Um, about almost two years ago, I, I, uh, I was con diagnosed with this genetic disorder. Mm. Um, so it's not curable. There's no treatment. Uh, that basically means my nerves are very weak. Um, if I, uh, damage them or, or, uh, do anything to aggravate it, uh, the nerves can like shut down. So this happened for the first time ever two years ago, but apparently I was born with it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my left foot was paralyzed and I could still walk cause I have my other foot, but, um, yeah, that was scary. And I remember going to, you know, the, the healthcare system is so screwed up in the U.S. I, that's another topic in itself. But yeah, during COVID, so I had to wait for the primary care doctor appointment, which took two months, went to see him, which took like 20 minutes. And he's like, yeah, you're perfectly healthy, but obviously you got this issue. So and at the time we weren't we didn't know it was a nerve yeah. issue. He thought it was like something. So he's like, okay, I think it's something neuro neurological. So let's go send you to the neurologist. Okay. I gotta wait another three goddamn months for that. So five months from the point that my foot stopped working, <sighs> to the doctor. 
And that was just like another 20 minute thing. And luckily he diagnosed me correctly. Like he saw me, did a couple tests. He was like, okay, something's wrong. Let's give you, have you take a genetic test, um, which I did at home, sent it to the mail, came back with the result. And um, yeah, it was, I remember the doctors just saying like, yeah, you know, I think I, I can't remember exactly, um, but it's, it's called hereditary neuropathy. So basically I can't remember the exact ratio, but only one out of like 15,000 people in the U.S. have this problem. So it's a very rare disease. Um, and he basically said he has no idea when it's going to heal. And it's, I, it's a lifetime disease. And it varies in terms of the, uh, the, um, how, the level, severity. Okay. It could go down. Like, so even if you get better next month, you never know if it can come back. And it could be come back with ferocity. It I mean, back with I mean, that's just yeah. How do you cope with that? Like, just know, like yeah. you're. I well, I I was there. There was there were a lot of moments where I was just like, you know, maybe I should just uh, chill and just uh, spend all my money and like why think about this and that and do all this future planning when I have this issue. I should just like you know enjoy myself. Really enjoy, life. really enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. Why? why I mean. Enjoy life is a more positive way to put it too. But I was uh, at times just thinking, oh, like just give this up, and you know, why do I have to stop keep working on this anymore? It doesn't matter. Um, and it it was strange. It just one day I got better. It it took a lot of. Um, I do see uh, chiropractors. I was getting mas um, massage. Yeah, I remember like, getting massage. Yeah, I was uh, training. I was trying to get just be active. It could do anything from walking to going to the gym while being sensitive to my nerve areas. Um, yeah, and then one day I just woke up and got better. I, I, I did make progress through those few months yes. with yeah. the diagnosis, but it wasn't like significant. Like we're not talking like every week that went by, I, I could slowly get better. It wasn't like that. It was just like, uh, it was very incremental improvement. I mean, that would be nerve-wracking too. Three years before I can get better. Um I mean, I don't know how I got through it. You just kind of wake up every day and, you know, it, it, just get through it, right? Like, there was no other feedback um, just that I could even give myself. Um, I mean, I, I, was, I knew that I had uh, great support around me uh, mentally or just, like, family and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty awful, awful times. I'm better now. Um, I still have the condition technically, so I need to be watchful um it does kind of suck that like anytime i'm sitting for more than 30 minutes an hour i can feel my my leg kind of itching a little bit i gotta get up um i i i don't actually tell many people this yeah like my whole condition but like i just decline invites to go to the theater now i don't really um anything that requires sitting down a lot or i i do use the bathroom break a lot you know if I, I know if i'm gonna do like a two three hour dinner like i'm going up every 20 30 minutes going to the bathroom yeah <laughs> just like, or move uh, around to talk to people and yeah, yeah. so um yeah it's, yeah i mean that's um I, I think it's for me it's a reminder you know one of the one of my takeaways after doing the jar around the country and interviewing so many people um and realizing literally every person i met no matter what their what their current situation um, was, that they've you never know what people are going through, you know. And I, and I 
you know, I'm driving around in the city and I pull up to a random house, you know, not random, not random. They've, they've asked me in and, you know, and I meet, it's just this house on the street could be any street. And, you know, you hear people's stories and it just, your takeaway is, you know, man, everybody is facing, you know, has got something going on in their life at some point. That's pretty, pretty significant. And, you know, we're still showing up to work, you know, the person that the, you know, the checkout lady helping you with your groceries, you know, man, we got to give some grace to people and say hi and, you know, be kind to people because we just don't know what news they've gotten, you know, or what they're dealing with from the, you know, the week before. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, I mean, since my, I've gotten better, I've, I've been a bit more yeah. aware, self-aware yeah. of those things too. Because again, going from the transition of delusional, uh, invincible young person yes. to having to go to the doctor for the first time in a more serious capacity. Yeah. Um, even more recently, actually, Ken, you don't know this, but two weeks ago, I, uh, well, it's been a few months. I have, I, I had this mole on my, uh, my, my okay. shoulder near my neck and my mom, who's a nurse, she was like, how you got to get that checked. I was like, Ooh. yo, it been growing. I think it's just been there. He's like, no, how you could be cancer, you know, um, go, go do it. I made some phone calls here in Vietnam. The medical system is surprisingly <laughs> easier to navigate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, I had had it removed, and the doctor. I got a text message from the the hospital saying, "Oh, you have to come in to hear your results. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't be? Uh, we can't communicate over a phone." And my yes. mom's like, "The heck? What do you mean you can't communicate over the phone? Like, is it probably patient privacy, right?" But um, she was like. Oh my God, this is like crazy. Like you have to go tomorrow. Um, and so I'm texting her. She's in the States. I'm in Vietnam. Yeah. All happening. And I got the result back negative. Um, so that's good. And she's like, oh, how my heart was racing. <laughs> it could have been like, which is true. Yeah. Been, uh... don't, how do you don't tell your mom stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you go get the result first and then you and then you can call her and tell her but you don't tell her i got it back and all like here's the next step yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's heavy that's uh that's real life though that's real life yeah, I, you know, those, those things um is it could be happening to anybody um the leg thing or whatever other that's medical but like even more mental i uh can i i i I'm not going to go into details on a public podcast, but um, my ex-girlfriend that I saw last year in the summer, one of those couple summers ago, um, her her mother had committed suicide. And, uh, you know, this might be a bit controversial to say. I don't know if it's true or not, actually. But uh, I remember telling somebody this and the, the response I got was like, oh, you know, um, su like people that have committed suicide, it's genetic. Actually, it's something to do with like um, hmm. people's. Um, well, I guess it's just like a familial genetic trait. I, I was like, I don't know anything about this. I, I casually looked online and all that, but I, I, I look back and um, I, I can't say anything bad about my ex, right? Ne not necessarily, but just her life experience that she yes. went through it yeah. like the way that she saw her family like her, her parents were divorced and mother obviously didn't do so well for herself but just her relationship with her family was very negative hmm. and a lot of 
people have those negative experiences, like their family yeah. got yes, divorced. Yes, a lot of people do. And, and it's just a matter of how you approach the next step. I mean, you took it like in a great way. I mean, just knowing you as a friend, like you, you, it's a different life direction, right? And you move on. Um, but with her, it was all very negative and very. And at the time, I didn't really think much about it. But after yeah. my mental experience too, I started doing a lot of research and therapy about people, how people approach uh, mental health, and a lot of it has to do with your yourself too, like how you yeah. see it. Like, yes, it's, it's for sure, situation, but you, you need to have the uh, willpower and the uh, audacity to like overcome it. But yep. if, it, if you bring it down, it's it's it will continue to bring you down. And yes. um, I think that's one thing that when people have any sorts of challenges, they use they, they tend to make it a scapegoat and use it as a way to justify how much pain they're in. Yes, like, I agree. Um, and I can totally sense, get why that that's the response for a lot of people, but that's also a very unhealthy response because y if you're always the victim, that means you're a victim. You're not be able to, you're not able to overcome that. Yes. To become yeah. Agree. Whatever you want to call it, the overcomer. What's the, the most yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It is sort of not a survivor, but more than a survivor. You don't want to be a survivor. You want to be, you want to be that's somebody that, you know, yeah, that crushes the, it's interesting. I, I did have a chat with somebody around this and one of his takeaways was labels. He was, he was given, he was diagnosed as, um, he was autistic at, at a, at a mature age, he's 60. He was fine. Found out he was autistic. And he said, you know, I didn't, I don't want that label, you know, cause it comes with assumptions and people autistic and they think of, they immediately put you in a bucket. And he said, then, the, then I'm, become autistic to myself and then I have autism and then everything I do, I'm autistic. He says, I absolutely took that thing, took it outside, burned it, buried it. I am who I am. I'm magic in my own way. I've got, you know, these great characteristics. I got some things I'm not, you know, I'd like to change or, you know, manage, but I'm not going to put a label on myself because that will get inside my head and affect how I think and how I act and how I perceive myself. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, uh, I mean, as a as a minority, I'm I'm Asian in America. Yeah. I'm minority here, I'm not. But yeah, you're, uh, or you're no, you're a minority in both places, friend. I, oh yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> you're a foreigner um, there in a weird way. I think that was also something I experienced identity wise. This yeah. whole label kind of discussion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the U.S., Asians are known for being you know very hardworking. We yep. probably make a little bit more money than the average person. Uh, we have a good family, values, whatever. Yep. Um, but there's also a lot of negative um, uh, labels on us. Yes. And just over the years, especially since coming to Vietnam, where it's so homogenous here, at least ethnically, right? Yes. And yeah. My ethnic ethnicity, uh, I, I fit that homogeneity, but of course not my uh, my nationality. Um, but it's just hilarious to to see because you have to think about how. If you're in a foreign environment, especially like let's say in Vietnam, because you've been there, um, it's important to remember that people like me and you are quite global citizens. We've experienced a lot, a lot of different parts of the world. But in Vietnam, a lot of people have never even left where they were born, and, and oh, they yeah. work, and yes. that's just where they live. And yes. you know, the U.S. you can say the same. A lot of people, absolutely, in the U.S., same. Yeah. They live, and so for us though. Sometimes I forget that. 
I'm, I'm much better about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, for me to, for us as very privileged Americans, you know, with our passport, we can hop on a plane and just go to, you know, wherever we want to go really fast. Um, Vietnamese don't have that. Um, e even if they did have money, uh, I was just. Hey, you can't go to every country. I mean, you got to get a yeah. visa. It's not easy. I, I had a, I had a random breakfast yesterday with two, one friend of mine and one was a person I met for the first time. He, I don't know his full story, but he was born in Vietnam, left when he was super young. He's in his 40s, 50s. He's now like a vice president at BlackRock or something like that, doing very well for himself. Um, um, but he has these memories of Vietnam as a child. And he he took his two kids who are very American to come to Vietnam for the first time on this particular trip. And he was telling me, yeah, my, my whole family here is uh, blue collar. You know, they're they're mechanics on motorbikes and they're taxi drivers. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a damn vice president at BlackRock. It's yeah. just different times, you know, like you know, he's probably making like hundreds of thousands of dollars living in New York City, you know, like. Absolutely. It's just, it's just crazy that you know, your blood will connect to you and your, your, your skin color, but then you, you live such different lives. And, um, I don't know. I mean, this goes back to the whole label and identity thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I, I experienced quite a, a lot of that coming back here as well in retrospect, yeah. like America, I think America is a very, and it's true. It's a very racist place. Yeah. Uh, and, I used to live in San Francisco, New York, and all these liberal left wing jobs <laughs> going far left. No, sorry, I'm being a bit uh, labeled. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a bit, bit, bit labelish of you. I, I'm, I'm a person in the middle. But, anyways, yeah. removing politics from the discussion, I think um, San Francisco is also a very racist place. Like, you, you think it's it's liberal and yeah, like you everyone. I think it's be very open inclusive no i don't think so i think um I, I look back to some of my first professional experiences just living in san francisco um like professionally there's a reason why a lot of asians haven't aren't in leadership positions and when i say asians i don't mean indians indians are in the top but yeah, yeah. Uh, the ceos of every company nowadays but um as as a southeast asian um east asian in particular there's very few um yeah it's but, true. Also, but also um from a like pop culture media point of view there's a few kind of uh idols that you can look up to growing up yeah yeah you had bruce um hey, bruce name? lee jackie chan was was i think a really good one i mean jackie was a really good first main and long established mainstream it was, it was a bit uh stereotypical like the, but it was a character <laughs> his his early roles were very caricature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, Later on, I think he had more con creative control, but early on, he did some goofy roles. Right. Yeah. Although uh, there's two winners of Oscars this year that were the Asian. I did see that. Them. Yeah, yeah Michelle so. Yeoh and the 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 other guy. Is he Vietnamese or is he he's Vietnamese? Vietnamese Chinese. Chinese. Okay. Uh, Chinese, okay. Um, ethnicity, but born in Vietnam. But born in uh, Vietnam when I was young to go to the States. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, maybe kind of wrap things up, let you, let you go. I think the, this label thing about what we call ourselves and how we perceive the self-perception, you know, um, really critically important, you know, to make sure you put a positive label on yourself. Uh, don't let, don't let pe other people do it. Don't let, you know, culture define who you are. 
Uh, make sure you've got good self-talk. You know, this is really what it is at the end, right? It's self-talk. You know, what label you let yourself kind of stick and make sure it's a good, you know, if you're going to label yourself, make sure you give yourself a good label, a good mental health, you know, for your own brain, because it does set the tone, I think, for, you know, for how you have that, that conversation about who you are. Um, I like the conversation, you know, and still I come back to if you're a leader, especially if you're a leader is, you know, making sure you find that, that medium ground between the privacy that you need, right. That loneliness that you kind of have is a result, but also reaching out and, you know, kind of engaging with people, you know, kind of reaching down. I think you're, and you'll, you're finding your own balance culturally and personally kind of an interesting journey. Yeah. Uh, Always take a more positive lens on things. It's, It's never, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be fun and happy. Right. I think, but I think always taking a positive angle on things. No, right. No, that's a challenge. It's okay. But uh, being up for it is, it's much better than being a victim. Um, or being yes. negative. Yeah. Everyone's going to have tough things in life come to them, maybe professionally, yeah. physically, mentally. And it's always a matter of how you approach it. I think how I overcame my physical health challenge was just having a more positive, um, like knowing that. I'll do whatever I can in my power and, and it is what it is. Uh, but I'm going to wake up every morning and, and stick to it. I think not knowing what's going to ha- actually not knowing what's going to happen, but it's much better than just like lying in bed and just being hopeless. Right. <laughs> I, think. I, I mean, I think it was great. That was a time we were really getting to know each other when you found out and um, working out every day together, you know, with the trainer. And I just, I think you did. I did see that change in your perception of, you know, a little bit of the discovery and a little bit of the, oh, shoot, you know, and the, a little bit of what was me followed up by, yeah, you know, just got to do this every day and, you know, step by step, here's the plan. And, you know, it could get a little worse, could get really bad, but, you know, I'm going to, there's hope and I, and I got a good chance of just having a pretty normal life. And you went on that path. And, you know, I think part of it is too, if you're telling your body, I'm going to have a normal life. I think sometimes your body's like, okay, you know, you, yes. you, yeah, you're not like, I'm not going to accept a broken body. You have to fix yourself. Um, that positive attitude and, and kind of instructing your body to heal itself. Mm. It's powerful. How, man, awesome uh, catching up with you as a friend personally, and then also just uh, great sharing uh, for CEOs. And I think also for people who idolize uh, their leaders to know, you know, they're real humans. Um, and they're, they're also facing, you know, um, facing challenges every day, you know, physically or emotionally, mentally, and, and, um, and that magic moment of aligning everybody to the same summit. Cool. Very good. Very cool. Yeah. Pleasure to share Ken and, uh, you know, best of wishes to the jar foundation. I think it's a great mission and, uh, hopefully more people can tune in and, uh, share their stories as well. Yeah. Um, best of luck to you, Ken. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Hal, again. And uh, thanks, everybody. See if I can find my my exit the live uh, feed somewhere in here. Kind of slowly creep our way out. 